Are you ready to start being visible? Well, you have come to the right place. Welcome to the Start Being Visible podcast. My name is Mildred Talabi. I've spent most of my working life mastering the art of personal branding in my career as a former journalist and communications professional and in my business, which has taken on various forms over the years. I now spend my time championing and coaching women to increase their influence, income and impact through being visible on platforms like LinkedIn and beyond. In this podcast, I'm going to be sharing with you my insights into the journey to be invisible, as well as bringing you amazing, candid conversations with female leaders who have chosen to step out of the shadows and into the limelight in their work lives. Now, I want you to hit the subscribe button and get ready to start your own journey to be invisible with today's episode. Hello and welcome to today's episode of Start Being Visible. Now, in the studio today, I have a wonderful guest who you're going to want to hear from because there's so much that we can learn from her. Her name is Claudine Reed, MBE. I have to add that MBE part. We'll talk about it in just a second, right? But so Claudine Reed is a former cabinet office and industry advisor, and she's currently chair of the Lloyds Banking Group Advisory Committee for Black Entrepreneurs. Now, Claudine has over 27 years of experience as a social entrepreneur in the education and health and social care space creating over 10,000 job opportunities and supporting entrepreneurs across the country to increase their capacity for more. Claudine is passionate about supporting social entrepreneurs on practical, transformational community impact, and she draws on the United Nations 17 Sustainable Development Goals as a catalyst to contribute to what she calls a value-driven approach to improving a sustainable ecosystem of support for entrepreneurs. Now, one more thing to know about Claudine, she is a certified leadership coach, a trainer and a speaker with the world-renowned John Maxwell team, and she's a happily married wife and mother of two adult children. So we're going to get into all of that in this episode of Start Being Visible. But first of all, Claudine, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Mildred. I'm really honoured to be here. Oh, it is so wonderful to have you here, Claudine. Now, I've known of you and your work for many, many years now, as we've been involved in some of the same circles for quite some time. And um, earlier this year, you kindly agreed um, for me to take you to lunch and essentially pick your brains, you know, dig in a little bit um, to glean some of the lessons that you've learned from successfully building and sustaining a seven-figure business for, I believe it's 30 years now, and then also maintaining a happy marriage for almost as long. So this is why I wanted you on the show, because I want to talk about all these elements. I want to talk about the business side. I want to talk about the personal side. And then I want you to just share with us, you know, whatever it is that you've learned on your journey that can help us, as well as, of course, we're going to talk about being visible, because this show is called Start Being Visible. But really, I want to start from the very beginning in this conversation and kind of like a fast forward on your life, right? I know that as a young person, you grew up wanting to be a doctor or a teacher because that's what you saw around you. But then you ended up in entrepreneurship in a pretty unique way. Now, tell us the story of how that happened. Ah, a very unique way indeed. Um, 
I, I, you're right. I had some really amazing ideas of becoming either a doctor or a teacher. And you're right. We are influenced by what we see around us. So, so, so that was my, that was my trajectory. I was actually doing part of my business degree in Europe, in Holland. And because I was away for a period of time as part of my studies, I needed to work for a year. So I remember coming back and frantically having a conversation with one of my friends, like, oh my gosh, I haven't got a job. Please, can you help me? My friend said to me, do not worry. You can go work for my brother. I said, okay, sure. I went to work for my friend's brother. Uh, and within, I mean, if you want to, if you want to talk about world wind, whirlwind, this was a whirlwind. Within five months, my friend's brother proposed to me. Uh, I said yes, okay. I came, I got a job, and I got a husband at the same time, um, and that was my entry into business, um, Mildred. I, 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 I got into business because I was working, and I stayed because of what I became in the process. So. I, I, I was there, I was doing my work and, and Patrick says to me all the time, you know, I, I didn't want you to leave. So the only way I could get you to stay was to <laughs> propose. I mean, you know, you don't, I mean, I can't imagine if my daughter came home and said this to me now, like, mum, I've got this job and the, the boss has proposed to me. Um, but, but I think the important thing is the reason why I stayed and it's really about what I became in the process. I love that. And I do want to talk about what you became in the process, but... Like you said, that is pretty risky. You know, I mean, five months, a guy you've, you've just started getting to know, he proposes, you say yes. I mean, obviously, it's turned out happily ever after now. But were you aware at the time that this was a risk that you were taking? Um, let's see. So I, I knew Patrick before I started to work there. But, 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 you know, almost, you know, you know somebody, you're acquainted with them. That's the word that I'm looking for. We were acquainted. So I knew who he was. I knew his family. My mum knew his family and so on. And the circles that we moved in kind of knew each other. Um, you speak about risk. And I think it's really interesting. I think marriage is a risky thing, right? We, we renewed our vows. Sorry, not renewed, reaffirmed. We reaffirmed our vows after 15 years. And I think after that 15 year period, it meant more to both of us after 15 years than it did when we were married um, in, in 1996. And I think after that, after that period, you kind of know, I mean, we're both traditionalists, so we stuck with traditional vows. But now you're saying this again for the second time, and now it really means something in sickness and in health. Um, to love, to have and to hold. You know, you've been through the roller coaster of emotions. So when you talk about the risk, really know what we're getting ourselves into just two young people oh we love each other you know this is where we're going to live this is the amount of children that we want to have this is what we want our life to be but we are both we were both very mature um balanced measured people to be able to make such a choice and I think what was important is that our extended circles our extended networks are quite balanced people too you know we both have people around us who can speak life so you know you're in a situation and you need somebody to say listen you're not thinking right you know you don't fall in love you need to stand and be strong and know exactly what you're doing because this is the rest of your life we both have people in our spaces to ask us those hard, tough questions. So yes, it was a whirlwind, five five months, um, but but it wasn't in isolation to other people having you know commenting on what could be what success could look like. 
Mm. And I I love that. So my husband and I have been married, as you know, um, I was at 16 years now. Um, This year, we turned 16. So we passed that 15-year mark. And we did at 10 years is when we renewed our, not vows, what did you call it? We renewed our pledge, whatever it is. Right? So we did that at 10 years. And you're right, as you get older and you make that recommitment to the same person, it's quite different, you know? But in the beginning, in some of the early days, me and my husband, Malachi, we, we kind of worked together, you know, and um, we had a business, a raw fees business we kind of did together for a while. And, and it was it was challenge. It worked in some parts and it was challenging in some other parts. Now, you and Patrick have worked together and been married for like almost three decades now. How did you make it work? on the professional side and also on the personal side, how did you maintain the boundaries in your relationship? That's a really good question, um, Mavis. And I think when I look at the type of individuals that Patrick and I are, we both recognise that we have um, complementary skills. So we were very clear about what each of us were bringing to the table as it relates to skill. Patrick is absolutely visionary. He is super extroverted he can sell ice to Eskimos he is absolutely you know you go into a room and he is Mr Network and you need that in business me on the other hand I want to know the detail where's the contract what have you signed where's the pay date where where is all the admin where's the information Patrick will go out and win some business and I will come back and finish off the deal in terms of making sure everything is, is signed and sealed and so what we found was that what we were both bringing to the table was complementary. We needed each other. So we were never in competition. We were never stepping on each other's toes. I would know that if there is a meeting, Patrick, you are the best person to go. At the end of that meeting, you give me all the contact details and I'll do all the follow up and make sure that we can keep things moving. And so it worked really well for us. Um there, 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 there came a time where you know you grow you develop and you realize actually I'm developing and my skills are growing but that was always front and center of the way how we run the way how we run our business we are always very clear what we were bringing to the table and not stepping on each other's area of expertise and knowing our limitations right so so if I know that administration is not my husband's strong point, then why give him that task? Let's bring in somebody else who can deal with that or who can manage those processes. So ultimately, and and, and husband aside, this is this is for a team. You want your team to shine in their best light. So you're always going to give them those tasks, those opportunities, those projects where they are best able to flourish. And we we kind of took that into our professional life. We took it home um we tried not to keep business to discuss business at home sometimes it works sometimes it doesn't I mean there's there's a loose rule about discussing business sometimes we have to um and sometimes like no I don't want to talk about this today let's wait until tomorrow during work hours today no but it's not a hard and fast rule right We, we we need to discuss things we need to continue you know he might have a meeting tomorrow outside of the office and I may be in the office so we need to keep on functioning in a way that works for both of us and we found a way to do it Mm. what was in that process what were some of the most challenging times when you were still kind of working out your yin and yang you know like what were some of the challenges that you faced together in that time um I think some of those challenges were about understanding what we bring to the table I'm not trying to 
I'm not trying to create another replica of Claudine. Patrick is not trying to re to uh, replicate another sh uh, shrine of himself. We are both individuals. And I think the, the key for me was about understanding what he brings to the table, understanding what each of our skills set lie. Because the minute I want you, Mavis, to be the minute I want you, Mildred, to be like me, we, we have a problem because we're not we're not trying to replicate ourselves. What we want is complementary skills. And I think the minute that we comprehend that we want complementary skills, then the layer of understanding of what you bring to the table and what I bring to the table is how we build. If everybody is good at administration, then who's going to bring win the business? Or if everybody is good at winning the business, who's going to manage all the processes and the systems that is really the nuts and bolts of how the business works we need all of those components and every single one of those components are very very important and so the minute we both understood the skill that we both bring to the table it was easy to pull back or to lean in at the appropriate time so there was never uh, uh any tension there was never any competition oh no let me speak no you don't speak let me speak we never had that because i realized actually this is Patrick's back. Patrick, Patrick, you need to speak about this one. And same for me. He would say, oh, you know, you need to speak to, need to speak to Claudine. And what's really interesting is even now when he's out speaking to people, um, he may run a mentoring session or he may be speaking to a group of people. And then he'll come home and he'll say something like, oh, I've been speaking to person X and Y. And I've told them or I've given them your email address or I've told them to connect up with you on LinkedIn because you need to speak to them about these three things. That's because he knows and understands what I bring to the table. And I do the same. People say, oh, Claudine, can you, can you? Like, mm, no, I know what my limitations are. For that, you need Patrick. And when he's done that with you, then you can come back to me. And we've made it work for the last, you said, almost three decades. <laughs> mm. I love that. How, how soon did he shift from being your boss to being your partner? <laughs> you should ask him that question, not me. <laughs> Um, how soon did he shift from being my boss that is a really hard question to ask because I don't know if I ever saw him as my boss oh. I went into the organization knowing what I was bringing to the tech well hold on let's backtrack I went into the organization because I wanted a degree that's what I wanted my business studies degree and it quickly became very apparent <laughs> that you're going to get more than a degree, Claudine. <laughs> so my mind started to shift and I started to not see him as my boss, but as a partner, as somebody who I could add value in this particular space. And that's when I talk about, this is also about what I became in the process. I saw myself evolving into a businesswoman. I saw myself being able to bring something of value to the table. So it wasn't a relationship, you're above me and I'm beneath you. This was a relationship of equals. We are all bringing value to a to a part and we have to respect what each other brings. Now, at different stages of my relationship, oh, for sure, I questioned whether or not my value was enough. I questioned if whether or not what I was bringing was um, substantial. And I think that kind of played out maybe uh, three to four years into our relationship. I kind of left the business for a while. I had a bit of an identity crisis, like, oh, my gosh, I'm only here because of you. I'm going to pursue my career of being a, a teacher. And I took a year out 
uh, went on this quest to become to discover myself and become a teacher. And that was one of the biggest learning curves of my professional career, because actually I found out that that was not the space that I was supposed to be in. Mm. I didn't I didn't the environment didn't necessitate growth that I was looking for. I realized that I really had the freedom that I enjoyed in my own business, but it took me leaving being somewhere for a year and realizing actually Claudine what you've got back here is really good you need to go back and maximize your potential and so that's that's what I did so 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 that journey of recognizing value had highs and lows but it's the highs and lows that helped me understand what I needed to become in that process Mm. so did you actually teach for a bit yes so I left I was a teaching assistant So I was given um, a group of students who were on the verge of exclusion, Mildred. This was like, you guys are staying with Claudine. And if you don't stay with her, your next stop is exclusion. And I didn't want them to be excluded under my, you know, under my tutelage. So I had Mm. to become creative. I had to learn innovation. I had to learn all of the things I'd learned in business. I had to learn how to speak to my market. I had to go away and do some research and my research, I formed a focus group <laughs> of my younger relatives who are the same age as the boys who I was looking after. I asked them to, to teach me what, what does the market need? What does my group in the classroom need? And they gave me a quick tutorial. By the time I went back into that classroom, I was, I was, I, I knew what I was talking about in terms of how being able to engage and capture the attention of these really challenging uh, group that I was assigned to to look after. So I was teaching them um, and helping them to 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 navigate the school system. They were some of them had special educational needs, but at the same time, I'm still learning myself and learning confidence and learning courage. These group were taller and wider than me and I've got to exert myself and use my voice in a way that I've never used before demonstrate confidence in a way that I wouldn't say I I didn't have confidence I did but now I had to turn up the dial of my confidence in a very different way and I put that down to being in that environment that brought that skill set out of me Mm, wow so so you leave for a bit you do teaching and you realize Okay, this is not it. You know, this is not the thing for me. I need to go back to the work that you're doing now. So that 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 job, that business, is PJS um, Community Service. Is that is that correct? Because I know there was a point that you stopped it, and then you guys started a new business. Can you clarify that? Yeah, yeah. So 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 we've never stopped the business. We've always had PJS Community Services. Um, if anything stopped, it was me, <laughs> my my involvement in the business. That that's what took a back burner. So the business has been running for 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 all of those um, for all of those years. So if I backtrack a moment, um, Mildred, I, I I I the environment didn't allow me to flourish that school environment. So it was good for the students. It was good for the period of time that I was there. But I'm progressive. I'm, I want empowerment. I want progress. I want to create a good, wholesome environment for my family. And the environment didn't permit me to go away and study so that I could increase my knowledge and become a qualified teacher. And because that environment wouldn't or didn't give me the opportunity to do that, I decided this was not the environment for me. So I left and went back to my business as a new person. 
I was now going back with confidence, with tenacity, with courage, with boldness, with leadership, with with understanding, with empowerment. All the things that I had learnt and was nurtured and cultivated in that classroom with those young students who I was assigned to look after and to teach, I spent 12 months cultivating that. So by the time I came back to my business, I remember in particular, two of the senior managers there at the time, they said to me, like, Claudine, you've changed. Like, what's what's happened to you? And at the time, I couldn't explain it. I didn't know what had happened. But when I think about it now, I evolved into a different person because ultimately, I believe that we're all on a journey um, of, of cultivating the best version of who we are. And it's those different experiences that we that we go through, that we walk through in the course of life, in the course of your personal and professional development that make you who you are today. Mm. I know you're massively into personal development now and, you know, you're a qualified coach, trainer, speaker, all of it. At the time, were you into personal development? So was this this growth, this evolution, was that intentional that you sought it out or did you just kind of happen to fall into it and then later on is when you started intentionally developing yourself? Um I was very intentional about my personal development because I didn't always have the funds. I didn't always have the money to to, to educate myself. So when my children were younger, <laughs> don't laugh, I used to read personal development books in a baby voice. I was studying, doing business studies, uh, doing my economics uh, dissertation. And I would read my economics books in a baby voice to my son. No one studies A-level economics now. And my daughter has done the same. <laughs> they both studied A-level economics. So you're talking about personal development. I knew that it was important. I knew that in order to increase my capacity for more, there had to be an element of, of, of personal and professional development. So what was the easiest thing for me to do was to buy books, was to acquire knowledge. I could only afford a book. I couldn't afford to jump on a plane and fly to the US. I couldn't afford to jump on a plane and fly to Europe, talk about US, but I could afford a book. All of my books when my children were younger were secondhand. That's how I educated myself. I went online and bought secondhand books. There was no need for me to be buying a book at uh, 20 pounds when I could get it for seven pounds or I could get it for five pounds. So my, I have, I love books. I like physical hardcore books. My bookshelf is, I have about three floor to ceiling bookshelves. I've started to give some of them away. But when you talk about the piece about personal uh, development, I was intentional about that because I knew that was my ticket, if you like, out of a different type of living. I think it was Nelson Mandela who I heard um, say that education is your ticket out of poverty. And for as much as, you know, I've never gone without a meal, thankfully. I've never been in a circumstance where you know, maybe I've not had the meal that I would have liked. <laughs> I've never not gone without a meal. Maybe, you know, and, and that, that that saying just always rang true in my head that if you want more, then you have to, one of the ways that you can add value to yourself is by increasing your knowledge. And so that was one of the things that I wanted to be sure that I did throughout my professional um, career. And I still position myself as a student of life. I've just finished a course and I'm still doing another 
training program because I think that's important. Life is evolving. The business landscape is evolving. The digital landscape is evolving. Everything that we want to do, you know, you buy a mobile phone, that's the easiest example. And within six to seven months, it, they've already got a new one that's coming out on the market in a month's time. So all of the knowledge that we've acquired over the years, it's it, it, it's no longer fit for purpose. It was fit for its time. So professional mm-hmm. development, personal development is very important to me. Where did that hunger come from? Because you've just said that it's not like you grew up poor or lacking in that sense. So, because normally when people are like really passionate about developing themselves, creating a better life for themselves, it's usually maybe because they had such a hard life growing up. So it's like, I want the exact opposite of what I had, or maybe because they were influenced by just that's the environment they grew in. They grew up and everybody kind of develops themselves. What's the origin for you? Where did you get this hunger to better yourself and just develop yourself? Where did that come from? Ooh. I think it comes from a number of a number of places. Um, I don't think I could put it down to one one thing. I think life and the way how we grow is very complex, and the learning, our our environment are very complex. So I could point to some really key milestones. My dad, um, highly educated, um, always reading books. Um, always studying when he was when he was alive. My grandparents, when I hear their um, stories of how they came to the UK, how they intentionally positioned themselves to study more. Um, my mum, people in my wider family networks, people who were friends, associates, colleagues, affiliates, and those people who I highly respected. They were they were highly intelligent people. And I kind of struggled a bit in my education setting. So, you know, (laughs) I make no secret, like I failed my maths GCSE like three times. (laughs) I said to my children, listen, as long as you pass your maths, don't do it three times like me, you will be fine. But I understood as long as you position yourself to be a student of life. So where did that hunger came from? It came from the environment. It came from the quest for more. It came from, in order to increase my capacity for more, I need to be a student of life. I need to continue to learn because whatever you've learned today, something new is coming. And if you want to be cutting edge, if you want to be world-class, if you want to be able to position yourself to be solution-focused and values-driven, purpose-driven, if you want to bring transformation, then transformation is also about what's new, what's current, what's cutting edge. It's not so much about what happened yesteryear or yesterdecade. Where is that new innovation coming from? And I know that in order to be in that position, I need knowledge. Mm. Mm. And you've said this a number of times now about, and I know it's a catchphrase you say quite often about this whole idea of the capacity for more, you know, so someone can look at your life and say, Claudine, you know, I mean, you've had a business 30 years, seven figure business, you have a great marriage for I don't know, coming up to 30 years, you've got two children, you're involved in politics, you're well known, all of this kind of stuff is like, you're doing well. (laughs) I mean, sit down, relax. What is this? Why why is there more? What's this obsession with having more, being more, doing more? Like, what would your answer to that be? Because when my time comes to depart from this world as we know it, I believe I have to die empty. And that means everything that I've been given to do, every skill, every talent, every gift, every ability, 
I have to use that to the best. I have to maximize it to the best of my ability. I have to be able to 10x whatever I've been, whatever I've been given. So the quest for more, the quest for increase, the quest for development is because there is always more. I don't think I would do myself justice to believe that just because I've I've put systems and frameworks in place to 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 navigate my own life. I don't see that as being a right. I've arrived. I don't think that at all. I see it as you're using the skill, the talent, the gift and the ability that you've been given to create something that has legacy, to create something that has impact and to create something that you can use to support the next generation. And so, you know, we, we in our communities, we talk about um, generational wealth. Generational wealth is leaving legacy for the next community for the next generation and if I stop now I've still got a whole run runway ahead of me what would I stop to be doing you know people talk about and I and I hear this from some of my mentees oh you know I just want to be on a beach okay that's good be on a beach for how long what are you going to sit on a beach all day and do? You will wither away. What are you doing with your brain? What are you doing with your with your life? I mean, I have a beach in my in 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 my home in in the Caribbean. I like it there. It's lovely. But what about your purpose? What about your passion? What what are you being called to do? And so, I just for me, person for somebody else that if that is somebody else's bag, one hundred percent do you. But for me, I'm not ready to slow down on that level just yet. There is too much energy. I've got way too much to give. And more importantly, I think purpose is assigned to my name. And because purpose is assigned to my name, there is nowhere in what I see right now that says, Claudine, you need to stop. Mm. I, I know you're a woman of faith. Is that because of your faith that you feel that you're Christian faith? Um, yes, a combination of that. I think it's it's faith, it's purpose, it's family, it's legacy, it's um, generational. It's what I've seen in my own uh, uh, family groups, my, my grandparents and my parents, how I've seen them live out their life, the people who I respect, my mentors, uh, my teachers. I think it's a combination of, of all of those things, um, Mildred, that have caused me to see this is how I want to live my life. This is what I want my life to look like. So that when I'm no longer here and somebody's reading about Claudine Reed, what did she do with her life? I want them to see that I made the most of it. Whatever cards I was dealt, I made it work with the resource, with the capacity and the capability that I had. Mm. And you, you definitely have made the most of it and are still making the most of it. And you're you're actually very visible in what you do, which which is a good kind of segment into the the topic, um, the the theme of this show, which is start being visible. And I do want to dig in a little bit more on that side of things in terms of your life, the visibility. But firstly, I want to know what does that term mean to you? Because I've said to you that you're visible, and I think that you're visible. But how do you define visibility for yourself? Um. This is really interesting. So before we can talk about the definition uh, or my personal definition of visibility, um, I think it's important to to compartmentalize the bits that you want to be visible. 
So there is still an element of my life that's very private. There's still an element of my life that's very uh, personal. And the visibility piece for me is about the things I I know have the capacity to positively impact other people. Those are the pieces that I want to be visible. So my business, the impact that we have, the influence that we are that we are able to generate. Those are the things that I want to be visible because I want other other entrepreneurs. I want other women. I want other people in my ecosystem to see that. This is the work that you put in and this is the outcome that you can potentially aspire to. But then there are still other parts of Claudine who I don't want to be visible because I want that to remain private until I decide that I'm happy to to to, to share that element of of my life. So to me, being visible is really about how can you utilize or how can you bring transformation? How can you increase influence for a positive um, outcome? Mm, what parts of your life do you not want to be visible with? <laughs> yeah. I'm not saying tell us the specifics, but what, what is that bracket for you? Uh, so that's a really good question, um, Mildred. I think it's it's the visibility piece is more about when I'm ready to share. So, for example, in 2019, I had a, a life altering cancer diagnosis I had to undergo a mastectomy. There was a period of that phase that I didn't want it to be visible. I didn't want to share that story because it felt, it was not felt, it was a very personal part of my journey. And it wasn't only until I came out the other side, thankfully, with the all clear, been signed off from my medical team and been able to rebuild, um, rebuild my life and everything that kind of, surrounds that and comes with having a life altering cancer diagnosis it's only after I've come out the other side that I realize the importance of that story and the importance of the visibility of that segment of my life that I wanted to remain private because every time I share it I hear from the feedback from the listeners mainly women who have experienced a life altering cancer diagnosis either themselves personally or somebody in their space. And sometimes they are looking for inspiration. They are looking for somebody who they can point to, to say, you know, if she can come out at the other end, can I use her story to help build my vocabulary of overcoming incredible odds? Mm, I can totally relate to that. As you know, I, I went through um, brain tumour and I survived on brain tumour four years ago. Um, thank God for that. And, and I, I get it. There was a time, it was actually about a year before I felt comfortable enough talking about it publicly, you know, being visible with it, you know. So, and and like cute was after I've kind of, I've processed this, I'm kind of on my path to recovery and now I've got something to give people from it as opposed to just I'm going through this, you know, feel for me, feel sympathy for me or whatever it is, right? So it's almost like you're thinking of what, in it for your audience in a sense when you're being visible with certain parts of your life that's the impression that I get from what you've just shared that for you it's about how can my audience benefit from what I'm sharing and not necessarily about just how can I promote myself or make myself be seen without any reason for sure do you know I mean I had a re- I had a light bulb moment the other day I was at the um <laughs> I was at the hairdressing salon and I as I've sat in the mirror and watched my 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 hairdresser doing my hair 
it brought me back to a space where I was three years ago. And during that process that I didn't want to share, I actually shaved my hair. I remember my husband has the, uh, Patrick has the shears. And I remember like making this public announcement in my house, right, I'm going to shave my hair. And I literally went upstairs and took the the shears and shaved my entire hair because I just had surgery. My hormones were all over the place and my hair was falling out. And it was... To me, it was worse seeing a patch of hair here and no hair here. I could plait something here and I couldn't plait. And it was just causing me the most distress. So when I was in the salon the other day, I would I just kind of recall that moment because my hair is now like shoulder length. And I sat here thinking, oh, my gosh, how many uh, uh, stories or analogies can I relate to what cutting my hair meant to me? Cutting my hair meant cutting off the thing that I believe defined me, cutting Mm. off the thing that was presenting an imbalance to me, cutting off the thing that was causing me distress. Because for some women, for me, my hair was my definition. Like, oh my gosh, my hair, I want it to be pristine. And right now I'm looking in the mirror and it's all over the place and it's just causing me distress. So I didn't want to share that. But now that I have this picture of me with no hair and a picture with me that I took whilst I was in the salon last week with my hair back to shoulder length, now Mm. I'm ready to share that story because the relevance of that story is this is what I hid, no hair, and this is what you see now. And what you don't know is what happened in between. What you don't know is the the mental, the emotional highs and lows that I had to process (laughs) while still running my business while still making sure I'm present for my family, while still making sure that I'm present for myself and processing everything that that means to me. And so I I guess I wanted to share that because the visibility part isn't about look at the length of my hair. The visibility part is what you don't know or what you didn't see, what I didn't allow you to see was because I wasn't ready to share it yet. And I want my, my mentees, I want my staff, I want people who are in my space to really understand the highs and lows of a journey of what you perceive to be success. Behind that story are so many complex layers that sometimes people choose to or not to share. Mm. Do you think it's... Uh, dangerous might be the wrong word, um, but it's the only one that's coming to me at the moment. Do you think it's dangerous to kind of share something publicly before you're ready? Ooh. Um, y- yes, I would say so. I would say a cautious approach would be advisable because I can talk about trauma. I can talk about challenges because I've overcome them. So even if I'm crying or being emotional in that moment, and even if it triggers me in that moment, I've already done the work to overcome. I think the danger is if you're talking about this thing and you haven't fully recovered or overcome, and what you're doing is reopening a wound for for yourself and for other people, but you don't know how to close that wound. I, I I share what I'm comfortable sharing with because I've I've had a wound that's been open. I've had a trauma that's been open. And I know, also know how to manage myself and close that. And I also b- believe that, that, Mildred, that I have people around me who can help me in that process. So if it looks like actually, Claudine, you're going too close to the edge, uh, I've got people in my space 
who I've given permission to grab me by the scruff of my neck, like, what do you think you're doing kind of thing? Mm. Because sometimes you need that. You need people who can keep you balanced. You need people who can help you recognize, actually, "Mm, this might be a bit too left field. Let's just come back into the center. Um, And and I appreciate those people in my space because they help me maintain my balance. Mm. Still still on that visibility um, front and how it relates to your business. Now, this is... You, so you, I would. This is my perspective from somebody on the outside, you know. And and I know your husband, um, Patrick, is an amazing guy. He is a really lovely guy. But I would say that in the business, you are the more visible one of the two. Even though you described that, you know, he's the extrovert. He's the one going to events and networking and all of that. But you, you've got the the accolades you you know advisor ministers you've got the mbe all of that kind of stuff going on was there at any point in your relationship where that was intimidating to patrick no and and i can say no confidently because several people have asked him this in my hearing and i'm going to repeat the response that i've heard verbatim from him Hmm. he says her success is our success And he is very, and and this is one of the reasons why I love him, Mildred. He's not intimidated by my accolades or by my success. And neither am I intimidated by by his. We both support and complement each other. We collaborate to win. So, for example, for me to bring my entire family to Buckingham Palace it's our win for me to be advising ministers and prime ministers and having all of these opportunities. It's our win, but he's the foundation of that win. And so if he didn't create that foundation, if he didn't create a place of safety in our business and in our home, if he didn't create, I say safety, physical safety and psychological safety, but he also brings certainty. I am certain about who he is as an individual. I am certain that he is not, you know, I want to be very careful so that your listeners don't misinterpret this. My husband is a mature man. He's not a boy. Mm-hmm. So, and, and, when, and by that, what I mean by that is I have a, I have a son who is still navigating adulthood and learning what does it, what is it like to be a mature man with mature, uh, uh, a mature focus on, on life. My husband is a mature person. How he's never been intimidated by the success that I bring home. And I've never been intimidated by the success that he brings home, whether that's in accolades or whether that's in finance, because we are both clear that we are building something together. We are building something for our legacy. We are building something that contributes to our thoughts around generational wealth. And if there is an element of of competition or, uh, or, or jealousy, then it erodes away the very thing that we are striving for. You can't want to build something and be jealous of the builder, the person that you're working with at the same time. You can't want to build legacy and be be at loggerheads or there's tension with the person that you're trying to build. We are all rowing in the same direction. Mm. We all want the same outcome. So let's stay in the place where we operate the best at and make it work for everybody. And that's the philosophy that we've adopted and it, it works for us. Yeah. 
I love that. And, and this is why I think, Claudine, that, that you didn't count it as one of the areas that you should be visible in, you know, for impact. But your marriage is definitely an area that is that would have great impact on even more people, you know, because especially in our society today, having a long lasting marriage that's a happy marriage is unfortunately not as common as maybe it once was. Yeah. You know, so to see you and Patrick doing it and doing it together and doing it so well. And as you just described here, where it's like it's a partnership, you're rooting for each other, you're both winning. It's it's inspirational and it's lovely. So more visibility, please, of you two together. Okay. I will try. I will try. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Okay, so um, final question on visibility. And then there's something that you posted on LinkedIn that I thought was really interesting I want to talk about before we round off. Um, so on the visibility front, so how has this affected, how do you feel that visibility has affected your career, whether positive or negatively? You know, all the opportunities that you've had to be in the limelight, how has that benefited you? Um, I think there are pluses and minuses. So visibility, of course, people can see you. And I think, you know, it's important to say, um, Mildred, that when we talk about visibility, whatever you see on Snapchat, on, 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 on social media, is a snapshot in the life of somebody, right? It's a, it's a 30 second reel. It's a two minute video. It's a, it's a photo moment. And sometimes those moments can give a false perception but this is what we do we post the best nobody posts a picture that says oh look at me I've just woken up <laughs> we don't want to we don't want to promote that um but I think it 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 helps to raise awareness of what you're doing of your impacts your influence and the things that you are doing and if you want to bring people into that space the challenge is that everybody isn't on your side. Everybody isn't isn't your cheerleader. Everybody doesn't want to see your success. So then there are people who are potentially have issues. They're jealous. They have their own personal agenda to see your downfall because you look like you're too successful. Or I, uh, you know, I don't think that she deserves you know, whatever accolade or, or whatever it is. And so I think visibility has a has a double-edged sword, which is why I try to be intentional about what I share, what I post. What something that's really well, I think is really funny. Um, on Christmas Day last year, uh, I was in my home in in the Caribbean and beautiful day by the beach. And so we spent the morning and afternoon on the beach and then in the evening we were going out to see friends. And you know, as you do, we're in our swimwear, taking photos, Merry Christmas, sending them to the rest of the family who were back in England, freezing cold. <laughs> and then the clip that we sent to our family, honestly, Mildred, it was picturesque. It was so beautiful. As we shut down the camera, it was almost like a grey cloud came from nowhere and literally came over and it just started to rain. And so what was really fun is, oh, my gosh, get my camera. And I filmed both Patrick and I running like, oh, my God, it's raining my hair, my hair. And I posted this clip because I said, this is what I wanted you to see. But three minutes later, this is what actually happened. This is the bit that I didn't want you to see, but this is the true story. Mm. So, 
so so I think we have to be very, very careful about how we consume other people's visibility and how we consume the best of what people want you to. See. Of course, I want you to see the best. Of course, I want you to see the wins. Of course, I want you to know that you have the capacity for more, that you have the capacity to increase your courage, your leadership, your development of your of your business. But I also want you to know that it doesn't come without clouds. It doesn't come without youth. You know, it, it, in that moment when we were both running in the rain, like, oh, my gosh, this is what, look at my hair. organized on my hair. So when I go out this evening, now I'm going to have to, oh, my God, you know, how annoying. That's real life. Mm. You created something and I've got to go back and do it again because there are circumstances outside of your control that are impacting the, the, the actual circumstance. Mm, I love that. I love that. That's such a great story and a great illustration, as you said, of exactly reality versus what we see online, you know, so I absolutely love that story. Now, final, final kind of point on this, which goes to the LinkedIn um, the piece that you wrote. So you, you shared something really interesting recently, and it was this idea that exposure leads to expansion. And oh. even the way you said it, I was like, ooh, that's, a, that's got an ooh vibe to it. I need to hear more. And so what you said was when you intentionally expose yourself to bigger opportunities, there's a direct influence on your mood, your movement, your mind, and your money. Can you tell us more about this? For sure. Now, if you asked me that first, I would have been, this would have been a whole lecture piece. <laughs> um, so, so, so what business has taught me, um, Mildred, is that the more I increase my capacity for more, that includes exposure to other things that are bigger, wiser, faster, uh, more advanced than me. It leads to the expansion of my mind. When my mind expands, I can think more expansively. I can think creative, creatively. I can think innovation. I can get ideas and join up this idea here with this idea and create something new and sell that product or service or support somebody else. That's because I've positioned myself to expose myself to new ways of thinking. When I expose myself to new ways of thinking, then I get it, it has a direct impact on my mood. I don't know if you've ever had a situation where, oh my gosh, you're so excited and, you know, you want to be unhappy, but you've got this new idea and you can't be unhappy because, oh my gosh, well, I, just need to, I just need to put the kids to bed or I just need to finish doing this. And then I'm, because I'm consumed by this thing that's my creative juices, if it was tangible, is going all over the place and my creativity feels like it's on steroids because I've been exposed to more. And that more is creating new neurological pathways in my brain and causing me to think differently and causing it to have a direct impact on my physiology and my psychology, the way how I'm thinking. That then leads to my movement. I'm moving differently. I need to be speak. I need to be going to my bed at a decent time because I'm now of an age where I actually need seven hours sleep. I can no longer function on three hours sleep like when I was younger. <laughs> so I now need to go to bed at a decent time so I can get decent hours sleep so I can wake up fresh, ready to. I'm not that person who went, oh, my gosh, I'm so tired. Like, no, you're tired because you didn't get enough rest or you're not eating right or you're not exercising right. Or you need to go and see a doctor and get some <laughs> medical help or you need to take some supplements you can't be waking up all the time and so because I know that my movement is going to be impacted I've made sure that the exposure that I want is going to impact my movement which means I need to get good rest 
I need my mind to be rested. My body needs to be rested because that impacts my movement. And when I talk about movement, I mean my methodology, the way of working. What worked 10 years ago is no longer fit for purpose in this season. What worked five years ago is no longer fit for purpose in this particular season. All of those things, Mildred, my mind, my mood, my movement exposes my money to more expansion. I told my husband last year that my money is pregnant. He said to me, are we having twins or triplets? <laughs> so I, I really love that, um, that you that you kind of highlighted that post because it sits with me right now. And in, if there's moments in my day or, you know, in the course of the week, I think, oh my gosh, I just, I just can't be bothered. I just don't want to do this anymore. I remember that post that, my it, it, it's exposure to more because I think it was I think it's Einstein that said the significant challenges that we experience at this level of life cannot be solved at the same level of thinking that means I've got to take my thinking up another level I've got to expose my mind to new concepts new ideas new frameworks new ways of working and when I when I do that then it allows me to add value in a different way to some of society's solutions. I want to be able to bring a, a values-driven approach to solving. I want to bring transformation to communities, to cities, to countries, to continents. I've, I, mm-hmm. I shared the other day I've been appointed to the Atlanta Black Chamber, the, the Atlanta Black Chamber of Commerce in, in the U.S., when I expose myself to those types of opportunities, I've got to come with something different. So the whole thing around exposure leads to expansion is right where I am right now. And it motivates me. Mm, I love that. I'm motivated just hearing you talk about it. <laughs> you know, I'm like, right, i got to get exposed. You know, so what, what is the one takeaway tip that you can give somebody who's like me, they're feeling like, OK, I get that, Claudina, I want to be exposed to something. How do we make it happen? What's a practical step that we can take right now to expose ourselves to opportunities or environments that lead to that expansion you talk about? Oh, there are so many things. Um, One of the things I would say is come out of your comfort zone. Um, The comfort zone is a place where it's stagnant. Nothing is growing there because everything is familiar and there is no growth, there's no stretch, there's no tension, there's no resistance, there's no resilience that's needed in that comfortable space. So for your audience who are thinking, right, I want to, I want more, I want to expose myself to more because I want to grow, then if you put yourself in a different arena, different types of people, different cultures, different language, different value system, different types of understanding, different geographical regions, All the while you are learning. And as you are learning, you're linking that learning to real life. You are saying to yourself, how can what I've learned or observed in this space be relevant in this space? And there may be no relevance at all. But what you're doing is creating and innovating and thinking about different types of ideas that you can come to the fore. Maybe it might not be for this season. It might not be relevant until the next two or three years. But if you don't expose yourself now, you can't build up your vocabulary for expansion. Mm. Wow. I love that. And that is an absolutely perfect place to, to, to wrap it up here. So 
if you don't expose yourself, you can't bring yourself to the place of expansion. And you've expanded to the States, you know, so um, as well as many things. What else are you working on at the moment? What can we and where can we find out more about you to support what you're doing or to sign up to? I know you offer coaching and mentoring as well. Where, where can we connect with you further? I think the best place um, to connect with me would be on LinkedIn. Um, that's where I've started to hang out more so. Um, and I, I'm on LinkedIn. My name is Claudine Reed MBE. I do have a weekly e-blast um, that I share tips, tools and tactics for people who are wanting to increase their capacity for more. And like you said, I do... Um, I, I do that freely, um, Mildred, because I recognize that there are people who who are just starting out and they just want to grab onto something. And I think about that woman who was me when my children were younger, who maybe didn't have financial resource or I couldn't go out all the time. What I wanted was something that I could process at home in my own time. So I have those 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 um, access points, if you like. And if people want to connect with me for coaching um, as long as they've got the newsletter they'll find they'll find information in within that ecosystem okay brilliant and so that newsletter we can find it via linkedin or also via website um claudineread.com claudineread.com and i am across all the other socials instagram and facebook but linkedin is probably where i hang out the most okay brilliant we will add all those links in the show notes so Claudine, thank you so much for a very enlightening, inspiring, motivating, <laughs> you know, conversations. Thank you for sharing your wisdom with us and your time on today's Start Being Visible episodes. Thank you very much, Mildred, for having me. Brilliant, brilliant. And thank you for listening and tuning in for this episode of Start Being Visible. If you have enjoyed this, I want you to reach out first to Claudine and reach out to me as well on any one of the social platforms and let us know what your key takeaways were. And of course, I want you to, before you sign up, I want you to hit the subscribe button if you've enjoyed this episode so that you can make sure you get all of our weekly episodes in your inbox or wherever you listen to podcasts. Every Wednesday, there's a new episode for you. So with that, I'd like to thank you for tuning in and I look forward to seeing you on the next episode of Start Being Visible. Take care. You've been listening to the Start Be Invisible podcast with me, Mildred Talavi. If you're a female leader or a woman in business and you're ready to start your own journey to be invisible on LinkedIn and beyond, get in touch with me via LinkedIn or reach out to me through my website at startbeinvisible.com. Now, don't forget to hit the subscribe button on your way out and I'll see you next week for another five episodes.